I'm Gerard Rogers with Rogers Ranch in Castroville, Texas, and you're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, I spent a couple of days last week at the American Sheep Industry Convention in Fort Worth. We'll have news from that convention coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The annual Hemp Hill County Beef Conference in Canadian Texas always draws a large crowd. And if you want to be a part of it this year, ticket sales are now underway. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. With debate on the 2023 Farm Bill upcoming in the U.S. Congress, the National Corn Growers Association has its focus on the organization's number one priority. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll talk to the president of NCGA about that priority on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas dodges a cold snap to finish 2022. Now, 2023 is feeling already a lot like summer. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The entire American sheep industry was in Fort Worth last week for the American Sheep Industry Association's annual convention. Rodney Cott of Fredericksburg is vice president of the Texas Sheep and Goat Raisers Association. He says it was great to have everyone back in Texas again. Most of the people that come, they love Texas. They love our weather. They came out of one of the harshest winters from up north, so they're tickled to be here. Cott is involved in several organizations that support the sheep industry, like ASI, Texas Sheep and Goat Raisers, and the Sheep Advisory Committee for Texas Farm Bureau. He says these organizations are vital for protecting sheep growers all over the country. I think that those organizations probably have a lot to do with whether we survive in the industry. Uh, We've got a lot of challenges. Very few of our legislators have a rural background or come from the rural parts of Texas. So we need those organizations to step up and protect us to some degree in the legislative and help us tell our story to other people in the world. And there was a good turnout at the meeting in Fort Worth, according to Benny Cox, manager of the largest sheep market in the nation, producers and Cargill in San Angelo. 
Yeah, wonderful turnout. Actually, we had 400 early on registrants, and that's a big number for us. I think when we had our 100-year celebration, it was just a tick over 500. So it's a really good turnout. People are excited about coming to Texas. The weather's nice here. Of course, those, like I say, a lot of those people came from uh, deep snow to get here, but it's, it's worked out beautifully. Cox is the past president of the American Sheep Industry Association, wrapping up a multi-year commitment to the organization. You know, it's a it's actually an eight-year commitment. You're your secretary, vice president, president, and then ex officio. So it's an eight-year commitment. But I was on the exec board prior to that. So that's how that deal worked out. It's been quite an experience. Gained a lot of friendship through the ways and people from all over the United States. You know, all the way to not into Canada, but North Dakota and Minnesota. And uh, it's it's been a, an opportunity for me. And I gleaned a lot of information and, and have a better understanding of the, the whole United States sheep industry. And uh, so I've been fortunate to be there. Cox was on the convention program with a panel discussion on the ethnic market for sheep. He says Texas is a totally ethnic-driven sheep market now, which is a big advantage for our sheep growers because that's not the case for other sheep-growing areas of the country. The annual Hemp Hill County Beef Conference in Canadian always draws a large crowd. James Hunt tells us ticket sales for the event are now underway. The annual Texas A&M AgriLife Hemp Hill County Beef Conference is coming up April 25th and 26th in Canadian. Extension agent Andy Holloway says this year's event is focused on helping producers navigate what is a very challenging time for those in the cattle business. It's not just drought, but these cattle markets are raging, which is a good thing if you're a seller. But if you're a buyer, you need to really think about some risk management strategies. And then on top of that, we've got input costs, James, that are just out the roof. And so we're going to talk about all those things and much more. Along with a lot of cattle and beef industry experts discussing a diverse list of topics, the conference's speaker lineup also includes Willie Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame. To find out more about what's on the agenda and get your tickets, you can search online with the words Hemp Hill County Beef Conference 2023. On another cattle industry note, Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association tells me with the massive herd reduction that has taken place on ranches throughout our region, area feed yards will likely be taking in a lot more dairy cross cattle from local dairies. I think we're going to see more of those breeds. We're going to see more of that crossbred animal come into the feed yards, kind of like we did back in 2011 during that drought. We had a significant amount of Holsteins on feed in the three-state area. We're not going to see probably straight Holsteins back on feed like we did back during the 11 drought, but we're going to see the beef on dairy animal come back into the feed yards at probably about at the same level as what we saw back in 11 on the Holsteins. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The National Corn Growers Association is focused on the 2023 Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti visits with the president of the organization. Today I'm visiting with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Tom Haig, and his vision for NCGA's priorities for the new Farm Bill that will be debated in Washington, D.C. A lot is on the line as he explains what the corn growers are hoping to achieve. Our number one goal is to make sure that crop insurance stays the same. It, it, it's working, Tom. It, 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 the farmers use it as a safety net. And, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, your home state this year went through a bad drought. 
I'm sure a lot of those farmers had that crop insurance. And yeah, it's it's not going to say, okay, I'm making lots of money off of this, but it's giving them enough money to get their bills paid so they can get into next year without a lot of bad debt carried over from this past year. So it works. It's a private public entity. You know, there's a lot of people that say we don't shouldn't have it. Well, before they had crop insurance, you had uh, disaster payments coming from the government. People don't, uh, you know, got, farmers don't like to see the hands out because uh, we get talked about or whatever. Now we buy our crop insurance, you buy the percentage that you have on your farm, and you go from that way. So it's a, it's a win-win situation for the government and for the American farmer. This is uh, certainly going to be a challenge to get the... Uh the funding uh, that is necessary to cover crop insurance for not only corn farmers but other farmers across the nation. Exactly right because you know our whole country is so diversified. Crop insurance is important for corn farmers but it's also important for other farmers too that uh, what crops they raise. That is Tom Haig, president of the National Corn Growers Association and a Minnesota corn farmer. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas felt the winter cold around Christmas, but it's feeling a lot like summer so far here in 2023. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. Valley temperatures dipped to 27 degrees with 15 hours below freezing as we ended 2022. Now temperatures are heading back into the mid to upper 80s during the day. The last two cold fronts have done really little to drop temperatures for more than just a day, and the valley is in dire need of moisture. In fact, most of South Texas has some areas of drought and without more rain, burn bans, well, they may be needed again. Valley growers continue to be concerned, though, about water supplies for 2023. Falcon elevation at 14.7% full. That's about even for the past 30 days. Amistad, about the same, holding about 47 0.1% full. With spring planting just around the corner, water levels will be starting to drop again, and Falcon could go back into the single digits, which we saw last summer. Now, Valley onions are looking real good right now. Also, the harvest of sugarcane progressing along. No problem with wet fields, though, because many areas around the Valley are needing rain Pre-irrigation demand will be heavy as we start getting these spring crops planted, and that's going to put a lot of demand in the dwindling water supply. The harvest of citrus is starting to pick up once again. With the threat of cold weather, many of the sheds had harvested extra supplies. We've got to work that down, and then we'll allow more fruit to be harvested. With the hurricane damage and cold weather damage in Florida, Valley grapefruit and orange juice prices continue to be extremely high. The spring forecast for extreme South Texas is still calling for warmer than normal temperatures, also drier than normal. Possibility, though, of cold weather may still be lingering as early as early March. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Improving fishing in your private pond or lake involves more than just dumping some new fish in the water body. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And some telemedicine rules are changing for veterinarians. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The Food and Drug Administration implemented some temporary rules for veterinarians regarding telemedicine due to COVID. But Dr. Bob Judd says those temporary rules are now coming to an end. The new rule was GI 269, which was implemented in March of 2020 during the early days of the pandemic, when human illness and efforts to mitigate the spread of COVID-19 created challenges for in-person examination of veterinary patients and the conduct of farm visits. The bill indicated that the FDA would temporarily not enforce federal requirements for in-person examination or premise visit to establish a veterinary client-patient relationship, or VCPR, for veterinary activities including extra-label drug use and issuing veterinary feed directives. Now, three years later, the FDA says the conditions that created the need for the temporary policy have changed, and the policy is no longer needed. With the temporary rules, the FDA allowed veterinarians to establish a VCPR without physically examining the animal and could do so by telemedicine. As of February 21st of 2023, the temporary rule will be discontinued, and for a veterinarian to have a legal VCPR, the veterinarian must examine the animal or animals in person to perform veterinary activities. In the case of herds of livestock, it requires timely visits to the premise where the animals are kept. After February the 21st, a veterinarian may not establish a VCPR by telemedicine only, as was allowed during the last three years due to the COVID restrictions. This is a good decision as it is impossible to accurately examine an animal and make a decision on treatment by seeing them on a computer screen. It is difficult enough to make a diagnosis in some cases with a hands-on exam, especially in a patient that cannot talk. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Improving fishing in your farm, pond, or lake involves more than just dumping some new fish in. Jessica Domo has the story in today's Wildlife Report. There are a few things the Texas landowners can do to improve fishing conditions in their private ponds and lakes. At the recent Blackland Income Growth Conference, Stephen Barden, a fisheries biologist and owner of Texas Pro Lake, discussed the steps that people can take to attain their pond management and improvement goals. The first thing I would do is look at who are my anglers going to be, age range, how often are they going to fish, and identify a goal for the fishery, whether it's you know growing channel catfish or trophy largemouth bass. Especially as kids age, their interest in fishing increases, but we have to make sure they catch fish first. So we need to make sure we got the right species for them at the right age. Pond owners should also know the size of their pond to determine the pond's carrying capacity. Every lake has a production value, and that production is how many pounds of fish can I raise, but also how much oxygen can the pond produce. So if I overstock it, my fish are going to stunt and eventually lead to fish dying. So knowing the size helps me understand how many pounds I can produce and how much oxygen will be there. You'll also need to consider whether or not you'd like to have an aeration system to prevent fish kills, stabilize water quality, and reduce algae. 
Pond owners should also consider the color and clarity of their pond. Each fish species is going to have environmental constraints that it will be best to grow in, right? Water color, water clarity, size of course, as we talked about production value, and then we have to build a food chain around it and then have the right habitat. So it's a very complex issue, but we need to know that goal and then we can build all those other things out of it. That was Stephen Barden from Texas Pro Lake. We'll have more with him on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market started the week higher on Monday, thanks in part to a big drop in the grain markets. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market headed higher to kick off the trading week on Monday, thanks in part to a big drop in the grain markets. Both live and feeder cattle ending higher with February live cattle up 85 cents, 157.47. The April up 62 at 160.55. June live cattle up 72 cents at 157.30. January feeder cattle up $1.25 at 179.17. March feeders up 230, 183.27. The April up 215, 187.92. Cash fed cattle market quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle here in Texas mostly at 155. That is a buck lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices lower Monday, choice down 61 cents, 271.11, select down 57 at 255.86. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry spoke with me last night after the sale he had in San Angelo at Producers in Cargyle. Jody, how did it go? Larry, 1,165 head was the total today. Had some pretty good quality cattle there on offer, calling these calves and yearlings mostly steady. I would say instances 2 to $4 lower on some of those heavyweight and fleshy bull calves. Heavyweight and high-yielding slaughter cows and bulls, so fully steady. The thinner flesh cows today, I thought those were trading kind of $1 to $3 lower. Limited numbers of bred cows and pairs, so slightly higher. Better quality steers, four to 600 pounds from 155 all the way up to a high of 225 mostly 165 to 195 Better quality heifer Four to 600 pounds, 135 up to a high of near 185, mostly 150 to 170. Slaughter cows average to high yielding from 60 to 74. Did have some of the highest yielding slaughter cows from 75 to 83. Thinner or low yielding type cows from 34 to 58. Slaughter bulls average to high yielding from 73 to 93. A few of the highest yielding slaughter bulls from 94 to a dollar. I think we did have one uh, high yielding slaughter bull at 103. Bred cows and two-year-olds, few young cows, medium to heavy bred, anywhere from 800 all the way up to a high of 1,400 per head. Cow-calf pairs, just a few single pairs, anywhere from 850 to a high of 1,335. 
What do you anticipate for next week, Jody? I think more of the same for the sheep and goat sale. You know, we uh, we finally stretched it out and made 4,800 head on Tuesday. So I would say somewhere between that four and 5,000 mark on Tuesday and then uh, come back next Thursday with a cattle sale, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 to 1,200 head. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. You bet. 325-653-3371. Mobile phone would be 234-7895. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures trade now where lean hogs finish lower on Monday. February hogs down 25 cents, 77.57. April hogs down 27 at 85.45. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby January milk down 2 cents, 19.47.100 weight, while February milk was up 39, 18.63.100. The cotton market closed slightly higher on Monday, getting support from a strong stock market and a weaker U.S. dollar. Also, we continue to hear talk that maybe China has reached a peak in its COVID issues. That's supporting cotton prices with March cotton up 69 points, 87.39. May cotton up 73, 87.79. With new crop December cotton up 85 points, 85.52. And we mentioned earlier, lower grain markets, both corn and wheat heading lower, both on the weather forecast. The corn market has gotten a lot of strength over the last couple of weeks due to the Argentina drought. Well, Argentina got some rain over the weekend, and it looks like there's more in the forecast. So that weighed on corn prices Monday. March corn down 10 cents, 6.66 and a quarter. September corn down eight and three quarters, 601 and three quarters. Same story in the wheat market, except this is on the U.S. weather forecast. Most of the Great Plains getting some snow and precipitation this week. And, of course, that weighed heavily on the wheat trade Monday. March Kansas City wheat down 29 cents at 819. New crop July down 27 and a quarter, 808 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat down 21 and a half at 720 a bushel. July down 21 cents, 730 and a half. In the energy markets Monday, February natural gas was up 24 cents, 341. March crude oil down 6 at 81.58 a barrel. The financial markets higher Monday, the Dow up 178 points at 33,553. The Nasdaq up 190, 11,330 while the S&P was up 37, 4,010. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.